All right, welcome back to the Spark Podcast. This is going to be episode two of season two. Today, we're following up with the Abrams Sustainable Business Challenge. We're going to be having third place finishers and finalists today. Uh, Fusion Foods being the third place finishers and then Fungi Stone uh, being the finalist. They have some great ideas that sound a little bit weird at first, but once you really listen into them are really, really interesting. Make sure to listen in and stay tuned for these great businesses. Okay, Jose, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us in the podcast today. Thank you for having us, Nicolas. It's a, it's a pleasure being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you guys here. So Fusion Foods, tell me a little bit more about this hybrid meat that you guys developed. Well, how, how does that work? Yeah, so, so we came up with this idea um, in one of our previous classes, our entrepreneur class, uh, coming up with uh, new ideas with uh, Professor Yu. Uh, you know, one of the things was when we, when we go to restaurants or go to the grocery store, we see that there's the, the meat options that we normally purchase and that, you know, there's also, you know, veggie uh, options uh, like or alternative meat options such as Beyond Meat or Impossible, uh, Impossible Foods that we can purchase. But, you know, we don't particularly like the taste of an, uh, you know, uh, like an alternative meat option. But, you know, so it, it made us wonder what about a hybrid? What about a, a, a mix where there's a half meat and half uh, veggie meat and and how would that taste and you know as a fun you know as, as someone who enjoys cooking for for fun uh, we tried out uh, a, a product and refined it and and found out that it actually we were able to make it taste like a hundred percent meat and and but only consuming half of it at that process yeah, and to me that's unbelievable because I have a vegan sister and she's made me try every single kind of you know fake meat. Yeah, and uh, some of them were really good, some of them weren't that good. What I can say is that the premise of oh it tastes just like meat wasn't really met. So it sounds like this mix that you guys have is gonna be kind of taking the best of both worlds and actually being a little bit better tasting. Yeah, yeah, because we don't just use uh, beef. Uh, one of the reasons why is is it still had a little bit of that veggie flavor, and so we thought, you know, what is a what is a, another type of meat that people enjoy that is even like a bit gamier or a bit meatier, and that's bison. And so we tried using half bison instead of you know all all beef for that that fifty percent meat portion of of the product, and um, and then we also said, you know. You know, you know, beyond uh, beyond meat and impossible, they use just uh, what they call TVP, which is textured vegetable protein, and and that's like what was a powder that they turned into like a consistency of meat, but it's just you know originated from a, a powder. Could we add some more vegetables in there that makes it healthier and and more delicious? And so you know what we see in those veggie burgers is kale, mushroom, and sweet potato. So we added a little bit of that. Um, and we noticed that it also helped to enhance the flavor. So not just a pea based protein. So when you blend that together, which is why we came up with the name fusion, uh, for our product, you know, 
we came up with a, a really nice taste that tastes meaty, but also delicious. Right. And to add to that, Nicholas, and really props to Jonathan here, because he kind of hit the jackpot when it comes to, you know, the mixture of all of these ingredients. So kind of to summarize what he was talking about, and he ended up doing a 25% beef, 25% bison, a, and 50% veggie, a alternative that tastes exactly like beef. So he really managed to, you know, a, get it to that point where meat lovers would love this burger. Yeah, and I honestly really want to try this because uh, to me, it sounds like it's going to be really, really good. And obviously yeah. coming from Mexico, you know, myself, we are avid meat eaters. You know, it's a big part of our culture. Jose, you probably know this as well. So it's kind of, I want to say taboo in Mexico, but I'd be willing to try it if it's this good. Yeah, no, absolutely, Nicholas. And I guess to, to add to that, you know, when Jonathan first came up with this idea, because he's the one, he's the kind of master chef behind our business. And I wasn't really, you know, I was like, hey, Jonathan, I don't know if I love this idea. And he's like, hey, Jose, give me give me a try, man. You know, I'll go grill at your place. And then if you like it, we'll kind of, you know, push for it. If not, to just tell me, be straightforward. This is kind of my market research, right? And then you obviously liked it, right? Oh my God, I loved it, man. And to your point, I was a little bit hesitant, right? Coming especially from a culture that's very beef centric and, you know, we love our meats and, they, you know, you hear something hybrid, you're not really into it. But Jonathan really, I mean, what's also great is he uses all premium products, right? So everything in this recipe is extremely sustainable, lean beef, and, you know, all of these veggies are top of the line. So it ends up being a lot healthier. So at the end of the day, you know, it was kind of a no brainer for me to join Fusion Foods. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And you guys mentioned, Jonathan, you developed this mix, right? Uh, what are you guys' backgrounds, you know, to start a business, first of all, and then in such a niche and complicated market as the meat industry? Well, you know, I, I always was really into, um, like cooking and food. And I lived abroad in China. And to be honest, like the Chinese food in China is way different than the Chinese food that you're used to here. So it took, a, it was a little bit of a culture shock. So I learned to cook for myself there. And I learned that, you know, it, it's, it's a hobby of mine. I, I ended up creating like a side hustle where I made, I grew basil and I made my own pesto sauce. And, you know, my mother's from Italy. She's, you know, I always was raised on quality, quality taste, quality food quality ingredients. And um, I've been cooking ever since. And so while I don't have a, a, a certified, you know, chef background, I have been cooking, you know, for for the last uh, almost 10 years now, and I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm a pretty like, I'm pretty like particular on flavors and tastes. And if it I pretty I have a very high standard of, of what you know, the quality should be, um, I wouldn't try to promote it if I wasn't sold myself. But, you know, our backgrounds are also in sales and marketing, uh, logistics. So we, I think we have a lot of, of the general business background that is needed for the, to, you know, to nurture this business. Right. And to add to that, Nicolas, so right uh, to, I think Jonathan touched a little bit on this in the beginning, right? But this was actually a project uh, that we did during our MBA course, right? And this was one of the classes that we took. So my background is mostly on, you know, the advisory consulting side of things. And 
it, like Jonathan then said, he's a lot more client facing in the sales advertising side. So we just uh, went talking and when we were, you know, developing this product during that class, we decided that, you know, our backgrounds kind of complemented each other. So I ended up concentrating more on the operations finance side of the business, while Jonathan was looking more into, you know, sales, everything external, sales, advertising, uh, distribution, all of that good stuff. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you guys have different backgrounds, but you really complement each other. And I think that's key in a startup is having as much knowledge in different fields just to at least be able to have a successful idea in many aspects. Yeah, absolutely. And we hear a lot about how being vegan or, you know, alternate meat products have a positive impact on yourself and the environment. Tell me a little bit more specifics about fusion foods and the impact it has. Yeah. So, so at least on like the physical health side, um, you know, the, the vegetable portion of this has really no cholesterol. And so we're cutting the cholesterol intake in half and that, that affects a lot of Americans and a lot of people in general, uh, just, you know, especially as they get older to reduce their, their, uh, cholesterol levels. Um, and, and, you know, while we have this right now in the burger format, I mean, this could be anything that, uh, people want, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, for, for, uh, tacos, it could be ground beef taco alternative or chorizo or meatballs or, you know, dumplings. Like there's, there's so many different variations that people can use for this as a substitute. So in addition to the cholesterol, there's three times less saturated fat and about 15% fewer calories. So it's just like overall healthier. Um, and then in terms of like the sustainability side, uh, one of the main things that we're really focusing on is just where we source our, our, our meat, um, because that's where uh, we, we see the biggest impact to global warming and greenhouse gases is with the beef, with the beef, you know, beef makes up about uh, 10% of the, of the greenhouse gases that are coming, that are being produced every year. And so if we can find ways to mitigate that, one of the best ways is to use like sustainable farming practices. That's with buying local and, um, you know, farms that we know have larger pastures so that it's not these big industrial cow um, uh, areas, uh, but more about these open pastures where they can move around from different lots, different plots of land and let the grass grow. Um, and, and that will help to capture more carbon as well. Right. And to add to that, Nicolas, and kind of get a little bit more technical in regards to the numbers, just to give you an idea of really the beef industry and what they produce versus our product. So right now, a pound of beef on the emission side, they, Approximately for every pound of beef, or actually every 100 grams of beef produced, there's about 25 kilograms of CO2 released into the environment. Now, with our project product being, you know, half veggie and us sourcing the most sustainable beef out there, we do about 10 kilograms uh, per every 100 grams of CO2 released into the environment. So significant reduction on that side. The other big one, just because we are, you know, our output of beef is uh, really half, we are reducing the consumption of water. So right now, water, one pound of beef, it takes about 1,847 
uh, gallons of water to produce. To produce one pound of fusion food meat, it would take about 940. So significant differences. Yeah, that's great because to be honest, there's still huge misinformation on vegan foods and all of that. And the information we have on the impact isn't really taken that seriously. I know I'm to blame for part of that. You know, I eat a lot of meat and I know I should be eating less. But this is great because you're actually spreading awareness while doing something that's going to benefit the customer in a direct way. But obviously there's a process that you guys took to come up with this idea and fully develop it. The Abrams Sustainable Business Challenge, how did it help you guys specifically come up with the idea, develop it, and then create this plan? Um, well, yeah. So, you know, in order in order to, to really stay competitive on this, we had to do our research, as you said. One of that was... Um, uh, was was getting out into the world and, and really talking with these potential clients and and that was some of the you know information and feedback we got from the professors from Professor Yu uh, in, in terms of like you know what kind of information and experience and insights can you share so we did talk with uh, a number of restaurants and and you know we have to be honest like it wasn't you know uh, you know perfect you know in terms of. We, we, we have a two minute conversation and they're like sold. Yeah, I'll buy a, a thousand pounds. It's not like that. You're definitely going to get pushback. There's, this is, this is somewhat of a, a newer idea. And one of the things that we got in terms of insight was, you know, they, these restaurants, they want a finished product. They don't want to take this meat and this meat and that thing and this thing and try to blend it all together. They want something easy and simple. And that was really good insight that we got. And, and that is what gives us some of our competitive edge is because restaurants simply won't do this. Grocery stores simply won't do this. You know, we, it, it needs to be, you know, uh, completed outside and packaged and ready to go for them to use. And so, so in order, to, so by conducting this primary research, we really got a, a more of a clear idea of, of what the need is and what our competitive advantage would be. And so this was all really useful uh, when we came to present, you know, for the competition. Right. And to add to what Jonathan was saying, so one of the big things that, you know, came out of the first round of this competition is we got a lot of feedback, right? And they poked a lot of holes in areas that, you know, we needed to expand. So shifting, you know, a little bit into the financials and, you know, the sustainability portion of things, it, it came down to, and this is something that came uh, out also from talking to Dr. Yu when we were looking at, you know, is the, a little bit of practice for a pitch and things like that. But we needed to really think big, right? So how were we going to, what were going to be our environmental objectives? How big were we going to, you know, think about this company in terms of, you know, our revenue streams and our profit line and all of that good stuff. So essentially, it just made us think of, hey, how does this become a viable business? As an idea, and I'm sure, Nicolas, you know, you've, you've seen this or even experienced it yourself, right? But everybody has amazing ideas, right? And uh, that yeah. could potentially really change the world, right? But at the end of the day, you need to make it viable. And I think that's really one of the things that uh, this competition pushed, it, pushed us to do, right? Like, how are you going to get those numbers so that people would be interested in investing? How are you going to really source that material? How are you going to build those operations? What is your plan for growth? Things like that, that really make, you know, that business picture, which is very challenging, especially when you 
are just, you know, coming up with a product, then you have to really think into the future and how you're going to make this profitable and, you know, at the same time, sustainable and, you know, something that meets all of those objectives. So it definitely put us to think, like Jonathan said, definitely to work. <laughs> and it ended up being a, a great experience overall, I have to say. Yeah, I was also going to just add on to that. Like, so there, they, they, in the feedback that we got from the initial, um, uh, presentation or the initial uh, submitting of, of our um, PowerPoint, they, they identified um, this term for us, uh, CAFO, C-A-F-O, which is concentrated animal feeding operation. And that's where a lot of the cows are raised. It's not these sustainable farms. It's these big dirt open lots um, where they just pack a lot of cows in there. And one of the biggest issues is uh, manure and, and how uh, the, the water, like when it rains, like the manure, manure gets into water streams. And especially in the Midwest, it's a big issue because it creates um, these algae blooms, which uh, can threaten our, you know, human safety with water contamination. And so there is like a lot of other information that, that we thought only helps to encourage the work that we're doing that we didn't even realize, but those are like uh, secondary benefits with, with what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, there's, there's obviously some, as you said, secondary benefits to this. A lot of people hear about the greenhouse gases and then the water it takes to feed uh, these cows themselves. But there's a lot of other things that we need to consider here that you know are super important and have a great benefit to the environment. And then just to you know ask more about the hybrid meat market. It's not something that I had heard of before. How is this market growing? Is it smaller? What's your participation going to look like in the future? Or what is it now? Yeah, um, it is, I would say, a, a newer and more emerging idea, especially in terms of mainstream. We have seen a few companies uh, create this. One of them uh, is the Better Meat Company, and, and they actually won a, a food sustainability pitch here in Chicago uh, in 2019. And so, you know, what they do, their product is, uh, they create their own, um, veggie alternative out of like, um, mushroom or, or fungus. And then they work with Purdue in terms of making chicken nuggets where it's half their product and half real chicken. And similar with, um, or, uh, Applegate, which is, a uh, you know, another meat company. And so they make burgers where it's, it's half their product again, half beef. Um, you know, we've looked at some of their reviews online because they sold them at Walmart and other places and they have stellar reviews and that only encourages, you know, us in terms of our efforts and initiative. And then some people say, well, you know, how do you feel about this competition? And, and then we look at, you know, how big is the competition for us? Exactly. It's less than 1% of like 1%. It's, it's the tiny, it's a drop in the ocean. So, uh, and, and even the guy that owns that company in an interview, he said, we encourage, you know, other people to, to do similar concepts as we are, because it's so there's, it, this is such a huge market is to try to create this like uh, blended uh, hybrid industry. Uh, it, it's, it's so vast that, that we, we need more people to, to join this cause, this initiative in order to make it mainstream. Yeah, and it definitely sounds like a newer market. You know, you mentioned it. It's 1% of 1%. But even with such a small, relatively market, 
the growth is there. We look at the numbers from a few years back and it wasn't even close yeah. to being 1% of 1%, you know, and that's, I'm willing to bet, you know, that's where it's going to be betting on the growth rather than the size of the market right now. Cause we see so many trends around veganism and how this is growing. And even though this is not a vegan product, you know, the momentum that vegan and vegetarian options are carrying is huge. So with this momentum that the market has right now, how do you see fusion foods playing out in the future? You know, your growth, your plans, what is it that you want to do with this great idea? Right. So uh, we're actually super excited to be joining 1871. Obviously, very excited to be working with Ignite Lab. Really taking it as a learning opportunity, right? How far can we really take this? Now, one of the things that really was uh, something that really pushed us to the, uh, during the competition is we were able to get, you know, a letter of intent from a restaurant that is interested in just, you know, giving a try to our product because we were able to communicate, you know, how good it is and, you know, the health benefits related to it. So really looking forward to see, you know, if this is something that can come up in the market. Uh, I guess one of the things that came out during the competition, right, was like, hey, what would it, you know, prevent uh, restaurants from doing the same thing that you are? And to be honest, uh, I mean, obviously we have our secret sauce with Jonathan, you know, knowing exactly what amount of each one of the ingredients has to go into the it. The fusion, right? But, exactly. But regardless, uh, we encourage it, you know, and similar to, you know, what the, the CEO of the Better Meat Company was saying is we would love it if tomorrow you could go to a restaurant and you would see, you know, fusion food meat. It doesn't even have to be fusion food, but some type of hybrid, right, where the flexitarian beef market and flexitarians are people who, you know, don't eat beef daily, but, you know, a, a couple of times a week. Uh, and they see it and they're like, hey, this tastes exactly like beef. It's a better alternative, not only environmentally speaking, but also, you know, health wise. So why not give it a, you know, a go? And if we see that trend expand, then we really see, you know, uh, the sky is the limit for this, because at the end of the day, we will profit, you know, from more people, you know, looking for these types of alternatives. More companies will join this uh, new or emerging market and it's overall better health-wise for people and for the environment so at the end of the day we really see it as a win-win-win overall and we are really excited for that yeah and i would say that you know for the rest for the restaurant side uh maybe five percent of restaurants sell bison so that's one of our key ingredients uh you know so so the majority of of these restaurants don't want to really put in more effort than they have to, such as sourcing new ingredients and the whole blending process, you know, binding uh, different types of meat and meat alternatives and veggies. And, you know, it's a real process. A lot of these restaurants, as I mentioned before, they want, a, you know, a, a turnkey product, a finished good that they can just give to their team to, you know, to cook and produce for, you know, for their customers. And, and then with the grocery side, you know, uh, a, a similar a similar story for them as well yeah that's that's super exciting uh i'm definitely going to be looking for fusion food products or burgers or anything like that in the supermarket or in restaurants i'm a big fan of 
bison meat and just in general you know meat products and i like veggies and thanks to my sister i've tried a few mixes and like some of them so i'm hoping this is one that i can add to my list and i'm sure that's going to be the case and yeah if this is all the time we have for today is there anyone you really want to thank or any finishing thoughts yeah absolutely so uh, i'll start off by thanking jacqueline geisman she is the co-founder of our green affair uh very similar a uh, restaurant to sweet greens in the san diego area she is our first customer so very excited to start working with her and she is our first advisor really in that this restaurant world uh, apart from that uh, we do want to thank dr you and yourself for you know the the sub ongoing support during this process and jonathan you had some and, and also professor abrams because he you know, he was also um, able to have a or, or give us an amazing class, our, our last class of the quarter. And we had guest speakers. One of them, uh, uh, Jordan Krolik, has a, a vast background in this type of industry. So, you know, just just these these courses and professors have been uh, a very, very uh, useful tool for us in coming up with this venture. Yeah. And I guess lastly, uh, thank you, Noah, and every, everybody involved in the Abrams Challenge. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and Wendy uh, Abrams, Wendy and Jim Abrams for making this happen and and the whole uh, group, uh, Aaron Lippert and uh, everyone on, on your team uh, have been amazing and extremely helpful. So we're we're extremely grateful for, for everyone, um, uh, you know, who, who've been a, who has been a part of this. Jonathan, Jose, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see your products very, very soon, and we'll be on the lookout for everything that you guys do. We hope you have a great venture. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Nicolas. Yeah, you as well. Now we are going to welcome uh, one of the founders of Fungi Stone. Uh, we have Adriana today on the podcast and Stephanie is the other co-founder, but she was not able to join us today. So welcome, Adriana. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Good to have you. So we're just going to talk a little bit about Fungi Stone and, you know, what it is and a few of the things that may have come up through the challenge. If that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. So uh, wanting to... Tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, what led you to this idea of a fungi stone? Well, I am majoring in molecular biology, so I, and I love what I study. But what really led me to this idea was that last year I went into a road trip. I, I usually like to travel, but this time I realized that there were a lot of holes in nature the mountains were extensively excavated and there was a lot of deforestation and that was kind of lousy. You know, and I was thinking that we don't need to do it anymore to make construction materials because that's what they make it for. They use it for other purposes, but mostly that's for construction materials. Um, so that, that led me to that thinking that we don't need to do that anymore. It seems that we're using what we are lacking well, at the same time, we are full of stuff. We don't know how to get uh, rid of the trash. We have all of the landfills are, you know, huge now. There is like a nexus of things. Well, we are lacking 
trees and nature. So we should change that. It's definitely a, a big industry that is taking up a lot of the environment. You know, construction people just think about the the obvious, right? Cars and everything, but construction is definitely playing a, a big part on that. Um, tell me a little bit more about fungi stone. What is it exactly? Yeah, so our product, we will focus on bricks first, but we will like to make, in general, construction materials, brick, wood, like boards and stuff like that. Um, but it will be we will be using the scrap from the automotive industries that are closer to us. So that's industrial waste, non-recyclable plastic waste. So we will be using that. And probably that will be 90% of our product first, and then 9% of hemp herb, which is plant-based, and 1% of microspora. So microspora is like the baby part of being a fungi. And that makes up the mycelium, which are their roots, and they will eat the plastic pretty much. They will convert it, and the hemp herb as well. That's to uh, make the product to be more to be stronger and to have um, a greater consistency. Uh, so that will make the full raw material. So if I'm understanding it correctly, it's basically the fungi are like eating the plastic and turning it into part of this brick content, right? Yes, it sounds kind of crazy, but our product will have like two stages of life. So the first one, it will be like grinded, that um, non-recycled plastic waste with the hemp cord and microspora. So you you can barely see the microspora. Uh, those are like, like water, like drips. And they will start growing. And as they grow, they will take in, it's called carbon sequestration that's what the fungi does so it like consumes it it's really really cool wow yeah that's that's unbelievable it's almost like you know we're gonna be making living houses right yes oh yes and no because once we have that product you have to um kind of we will be like baking it not really baking we're gonna dehydrate it so the fungi dies and stops growing. Okay. Otherwise, you will be <laughs> having house with fungi on these sides, and it will be super cute, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not the best, right? Yeah. I was just wondering, what are the next steps for fungi stone? You know, you already have this this idea, this product. What is what is the next thing you're gonna do? Well, I have the fungi growing in my apartment, and they are like making progress. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm expecting to get my final first product. So it will be like a mini break. Mm -hmm. So once I get the parameters done, because I'm still learning about what this fungi likes and everything, but it's kind of informal research because I don't have a lab. So once I have like a few parameters done, I, I'm planning on getting an incubator uh, something not really expensive and small, so I can ask for more more industrial waste and I start breaking that more. And you know, like making the full design in a small scale. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as I have that done, I can start rapidly in a bigger scale. Awesome! Yeah, that's that's incredible. I think uh, 
it's honestly something I had never thought about or even heard about. I had heard of different types of bricks and all of that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. something literally made uh, out of transformation with fungi, it's honestly incredible to even think about being close to having that technology ready. This is the material that's going to be like the least harmful to the environment because we are we're not using any raw materials that are from nature. I mean, that 9% of hemp hurt. But then we're planning on doing 100% of non-recycled plastic waste. Steel is like, we don't need trees, we need to wood and clay and stuff like that that is actually really contaminated. It doesn't seem like it. But the processing of those materials is, those are a lot of carbon gas emissions produced and they cause a lot of harm to the environment. They add to the acidification of lakes and stuff like that. So we will be doing like around 90% of those carbon gas emissions less. And we will be saving like 7,000 hectares per year that are lost from deforestation to get, to make wood, to get wood. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's incredible because... I think the way I'm I'm looking at it is it's not only providing a solution for our trash problem, you know, we don't have space for trash anymore, but it's actually creating a, a new product and eliminating that trash. Yes, it's it sounds like when I talk about it, it's like it sounds kind of crazy, like kind of ambitious because we are trying to solve three problems, the excavation, yeah. mining, deforestation and the the trash problems the landfill things but if we can why not because we have these fungi that are experts in that they're evolving way faster than us so they learn how to eat the plastic and they they're fixing the problem so we should co-work with them as well yeah well honestly it's it's great and i'm glad that you you were able to be on on the challenge and we're able to learn more about this amazing product. And can you just tell me a little bit about how your experience was with the challenge? You know, how did this help you develop your idea and how will it help you in the future? Well, it was really nice because I had this idea like a year ago, but I didn't start because I was really busy with school and, you know, you got to focus with school is the priority. But then this challenge, um, I knew about the challenge and I was like, I have to start it. I I got a lot of motivation and I learned about the business part of it because it's, it's of course really important to make it happen. So I started to learn about finances and everything that, um, that you must learn to make a business out of things. So yeah. it's really nice. Like I had that pressure to get things done and to get my ideas um, really makes sense so I could tell the others about it. We'll be following you. We'll we'll be sure to keep in touch and make sure to update on on you guys' progress because I, I definitely am excited about your, your idea, your project, and the way that you are taking this. Um, we are out of time for today, but I would just like to thank you so much for being here for letting Ignite Lab and the Abrams Challenge be part of your journey, and then for letting us share uh, your your fungi stone with the rest of the of our listeners. Absolutely. I'm looking forward. So you can reach in six months. Maybe we'll be way ahead. 
Yeah, perfect. Well, I guess we will definitely check in in six months then. Thank you very much. And then, Adriana, is there anyone you would like to thank? Any last words you would like to, to say? Well, I would like to thank, thank my team, uh, Stephanie, my friends, because I have a lot of friends in business. And, of course, I learn a lot of stuff um, about them and about the things that I didn't know because I, I am in biology. I don't know the business part. Also, my dad helped me a lot with the financing and finding numbers and the correct information. So I thank him a lot for their support. But also Loyola for making these kind of things, um, which are academic learning experiences. And, you know, I feel, I feel more comfortable about telling about my ideas. And I, of course, believe that they will happen eventually.